Collective 2's Top Trader Radio. For each week, we bring you in-depth conversations and insights from standout strategy managers featured on the C2 platform. With your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Collective 2's Top Trader Radio. I'm Charlie Wright. And we'd like to welcome today's guest, Brad Pappas, founder of Green Investment. Brad talks to us today uh, from his home near Estes Park, Colorado, the gateway to Rocky Mountain National Park. Brad, welcome to Collective 2's Top Trader Radio. Oh, great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Brad, you have a double challenge. Uh, You specialize in what you call cruelty-free investing. You screen for environmental and even vegan criteria. And then number two, you seek to find strong performing stocks in those areas. Now, just the latter of those two is challenging enough for most um, investment managers. You seek to do both. So would you start by defining cruelty-free investing for us? First off, our website URL is greeninvestment.com. Uh, our, the name of our company, uh, the parent company, is Rocky Mountain Humane Investing. In 1990, I was a broker at A.G. Edwards and a, in New England, and a local humane society uh, made it on the cover, an expose on the cover of their newspaper, uh, saying that the, the Humane Society's investments were at a contradiction to the purpose of the Humane Society. And at that point, I had been in the industry about seven, eight years, and I felt that I could bridge the gap in knowledge between understanding the world of you know humane investing um, that could be value to people who felt conflicted looking at traditional portfolios or mutual funds that included investments that they found intolerant to their personal values. And so you started the the focus on cruelty-free investing at that time. Uh, d- define right. cruelty-free investing for us. Is it just about animals? Is, uh, includes the environment? You, you also include vegan? Uh, how do you do, how do you define how, how cruelty-free that investing? It, it's evolved over time. Uh, back in 1990, I was working with animal rescues, uh, you know, homeless dogs, horses, and the issues at the time for us was animal testing, uh, factory farming. Uh, we threw, we also added things like weapons and um, you know defense contractors, tobacco, and what we called extractive industries, mining, oil, and gas. And I don't think, contrary to some mutual funds, you can be all things to all people because some mutual funds funds out there will say that they will eliminate 14, 15 different criteria, but they actually don't eliminate all of those criteria from their selection pool. They will let a company in that says they may actually violate five or six of the factors and uh, but basically say, look, it does well in seven out of uh, 15 um, criteria, um, so we'll let it into the portfolio. My view is since we manage private portfolios where clients can actually see exactly what they own, that argument is not going to work. Okay, so so tell us, do you screen affirmatively so that you only look at 
um, you know, certain things that people want to certain companies in the industry, certain people people want to look at, or do you screen negatively? You just take out certain uh, sectors and industries you you don't want to consider. Sure. Um... We're a fiduciary for our clients, and our clients have the same long-term investment needs that everyone else has. And it's been my experience and responsibility to steer clients correctly in the types of strategies that will actually work for them uh, so they can make their long-term goals. Now, there is two forms of screening. The first form of screening is what we could call it positive screening. And positive screening is be owning companies that are proactively involved, let's say, in green causes. The other form is uh, what we call a negative screen. Well, we're just going to avoid all the companies, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, factory farming, animal testing, animals and entertainment, et cetera. And we're going to eliminate all those companies from consideration. And what we're going to be left with are companies that are either, you know, relatively benign. They don't bother anyone. You're never going to see them in an EPA violation list. Um, these are very popular companies that people generally know about. But these are also the types of companies that can... Uh, be use, useful as investments for our clients longer term so they reach those long-term goals. Let's turn to the trading side here. Describe your approach to trading and your strategy mm-hmm. development for Collective 2 Strategies here. You know, Charlie, I, I, I've, I've experimented with and looked at algorithms for 30-odd years. And I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've you know, come up with something and then dispensed with it. My basic goal for a client is to come develop a strategy that has a relatively smooth equity curve. And that eventually led me to essentially chart work, you know, technical analysis of companies where we could define and identify prospective investments based on their rate of ascent, their rate of change, and we use moving averages to help define entry and exit points. So that's what most of us would call trend following, relative strength. Correct. Correct. No different than what Michael Covell, you know, and many others discuss. For every one person who says, you know, they've made a great deal of money with fundamental analysis, there, there may be 50 who've done it with trend following. Okay, so tell us then, um, in your strategies, do you invest in stocks? Do you invest in markets through ETFs? What specifically do you invest in? We do individual stocks primarily, but during times of necessity, we'll invest in treasury ETFs, the TLH, the TLT, because investing in stocks is not always appropriate, especially when you're nearing a peak in the business cycle. Yeah, and uh, lots to talk about in that area, and no question about it. Uh, tell us, what do you find, uh, Brad, uh, are the misconceptions that are common by investors? Well, everybody talks their own book. And I have this little personal, I don't know, desire that I like to tweak a lot of long-held concepts that people view as true. Um, for example... Um, people will say, I, you know, low turnover and low fees is really the way to go. 
I think that makes sense if you the rate of return you're looking at is say five or six percent per annum. The problem with that type of strategy, and that's the strategy that's employed by indexers and robos, is for that five to six per percent, periodically you're gonna have a downdraft of thirty or forty percent or more. So to make six or seven percent a year and periodically have a thirty percent decline that doesn't sound very good, but of course, that's never going to be explained to those clients, you know, when they sign up. The one thing I've learned over the years and decades in this business is that another popular technique used by salesmen, financial planners, and brokers is that they will show you an equity chart of a mutual fund, let's say over 20 years, and they said, you know, if you had invested $10,000 in this fund, 20 years later it would be worth X. But getting back to you're going to have periodic declines of 30 to 40 percent, it'd be my judgment that 80 percent of clients would not be able to endure those declines because of fear and emotions. And so they're not going to make it to the 20-year point where they need that money for retirement because when they decide that the, the emotional and psychic fear is too much for them to really cope with and they sell, usually you're going to be somewhere near a market bottom and those people are not psychologically fit to be able to reinvest quickly those are typically people who will stay away from markets for two to three years after the rebound has already occurred and so they lose the bulk of the early gains of a new bull market you know that so, uh, those are excellent points there uh, brad and those are points that typically the wall street journal and jack bogle and those proposing index investing uh never really make here uh, l l let me ask you another question here has there been a specific time or a specific trade where you really learned a lot either about trading or strategy or about yourself that's a good question i'm very immersed in what i do seven days a week. I'm almost constantly thinking about how to improve. I, I think you learn best through periods of adversity. What I realized years ago going through a bear market with clients, and I did it the most traditional way. I got into the business in 82 and became registered in 85. And from that point on, we had a 15-year bull market. So the concept of trying to reduce risk uh, by moving out of the market based on the business cycle was a foreign concept. You know, people didn't believe, including myself, that it was really necessary. There was a book published a few years ago called What Investors Really Want. Investors may not even be able to dictate what they really want, but what we as advisors who are fiduciaries, we have to anticipate what they want. And I've never encountered someone who says, I really do want to take a 30% decline in my principal. So it means that we have, we have to be much more proactive for our clients and our portfolios. And that means identifying potential areas that could be considered near the peak of a business cycle. You know, uh, we need to take a short break here, Brad. Uh, we'll be right back. And when we come back, let's talk about if you believe that with your cruelty-free and environmental and vegan criteria investing, if someone needs to sacrifice returns in order to 
do the good they're seeking to do by investing with those kinds of screening. Again, we're talking with Brad Pappas out of uh, Estes Park, Colorado. You're listening to Collective Two's Top Trader Radio, and we'll be right back. And just a quick word to remind you, the Top Trader Radio is brought to you by Collective Two, the world's largest automated trade-sharing marketplace. Great traders like our guest today ask Collective Two to track their brokerage results in real time. Then other investors can subscribe to these trades and automatically follow them in their own brokerage account. It's pretty simple. You can register for free at Collective Two. That's collective with the number two.com. And you too can browse hundreds of trading strategies and their complete track records over time through Collective Two's unique cloud-based trade syncing technology. Experience the power of peer-to-peer trading for yourself and all that can offer you only at Collective2.com. All right, back to our show with Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Brad Pappas, who specializes in the double challenge of cruelty-free investing together with environmental and vegan criteria and finding good stocks that perform well. And so, Brad, uh, you've got this double challenge here. What we've often heard is that if someone screens out certain industries and or sectors for whatever kind of social, environmental or other reasons, that they're probably going to have to sacrifice returns for doing that. What's your opinion and, and what has been your experience in that arena? I think anyone who's actually investigated that claim deeply with an unbiased, you know, perspective will find that that is wrong. You know, one of the concepts of trend following is to ignore opinions, ignore market opinions, uh, ignore what they'll say on CNBC when people say, you know, I think the market's near a top or near a bottom. We just ignore all of that. Everything I do is based on evidence. It's all evidentiary. We used to run simulations, where I mentioned before, where we would eliminate certain sectors uh, from consideration in the universe, and in many cases, sometimes the performance was either unchanged or actually improved. But what we try to focus on is, you know, beating the market, beating the indexes is really not that hard. Because the index of 500 stocks, if we're using the S&P, is invested in a lot of industries and companies that are lagging. The S&P 500 is not filled with a, a group of stocks that are the best performers, although we will have many stocks that are very good performers. But there's, there's a lot of companies in there that are holding it back. We're looking at how we select our stocks. We're looking at stocks we really want to be owning stocks in strong sectors, sectors that are exceeding the S&P 500 index. And then we break it down, you know, from on to a micro level of, you know, selecting the individual companies. So we may own four to five sectors um, exclusively that are already exceeding the S&P index. Brad, thank you for the for that input. That's uh, very interesting. And and as ESG and environmental investing grows, uh, that's certainly some something to consider. Uh, if you were asked, Brad, to give advice to traders on how they can improve their results, what would you tell them? I thought heavily about that, and there's some things I've learned over time. Is before 
uh, an investor who wants to invest for themselves, they need to basically go to school. And there are several, from a technical perspective, there's several great books out there that will teach a person about trend following, position sizing, risk. And in addition, they almost they also have to identify what is a market that is worthy of investment. Is the index above the 200-day moving average? Is it below the 200-day moving average? There's no one strategy or book that I think puts it all together. In my case, I've taken bits from many different sources and created my own macro strategy. don't want to be involved in stocks during a recessionary environment. I, I think the, the greatest thing an investor can do for themselves is simply you identifying a market environment you know, based on the business cycle where investing in stocks is appropriate. And when it's not appropriate, get out. Use Perhaps use treasuries, for example. And the service I use for that um, is Bob Deal over at nospinforecast.com. Hey, well, I, I'm sure uh, Bob will appreciate that that, uh, that recommendation here. Uh, from the, you. the other, the other factor I wanted to stress is there's a lot of services out there that will do the stock picking for you, and I would really encourage people not to use those services. Usually, people use those services because they don't have the confidence to pick stocks themselves. But I do believe you need to have the confidence to pick your own companies. Otherwise, you're not going to be learning. In my case, we don't use any services, you know, that'll help me identify, you know, new picks for a portfolio. We do it all ourselves. So, Brad, uh, your strategies have performed quite well, as verified by Collective Two. Uh, why would you say you've been able to exceed market returns? And please don't don't be modest here on us. Well, you have to have a plan. You have to know exactly how you're going to invest and you have to stick with it and you have to use risk control. The best investors are the investors that have learned to manage the psychological aspects of investing and trading. You know, as I've always told people, you know, clients will come to me and say, Brad, I'm really looking to invest long term. You know, I'm looking for long term holdings. Well, the best long term holdings come from very good short term holdings that continue to perform and they continue to perform to an intermediate period, and then eventually, by default, they continue to perform, and now they're great long-term holdings. But there's no way of knowing initially, when you buy a company, an investment, that it could be a great long-term hold. And I think one of the great mistakes people is, you know, they'll say, look at Priceline today, for example, you know, Priceline is down 6% today. That's been a tremendous long-term hold. And if it holds above its moving averages, this could be a good, you know, re-entry point for people. But you can't force your will upon the market or your investments. You have to stay flexible and you have to have an unceasing desire to learn. So Brad, if, if we were to ask your clients why they work with you. What do you think are the kinds of things they would say? Well, the first reason people come to me is that we speak their language in terms of social issues. That's primarily how people find me. 
Uh, these are people who may have inherited money or have a 401k, and they don't want to own certain companies because of the negative implications. And they'll go to their local financial planner, broker, et cetera, and, and those people don't know what to do for them. <clears throat> you know, usually they'll say, you can't do it, you can't be possible. But then they'll do some research on the Internet, and they'll find my company and say, you know, aha, here's someone that I don't have to convince that this is what I would like to do. For those people, I'm already doing it for others. You know, there's no uh, trying to put a square into a round hole. We all think the same way. I'm involved in animal rescues, so are they. Do I want to be involved in companies in factory farming? No, the same way they feel. Second thing is you have to be brutally honest with people. And that means telling, sometimes telling people what will work what will not work, and sometimes we make errors. It can come as a revelation to people that perhaps only 50% of the investment selections we make work out, and 50% don't, because they're under the assumption that to earn a high rate of return, you must have a very high percentage of winners. So we're honest with people, and the, and the more a person is willing to learn and I help to teach them, the better the client's going to be off. Thank you, Bob. We appreciate that. So tell us, how do people find your strategies on the Collective 2 platform? Well, we're almost always listed in strategies considered classified as popular or making new highs. We have three strategies on the C2 platform. OP1, in a decent market, We'll frequently be making new highs. We don't promote our portfolios on C2 at this point. We're considering doing it. But if people are looking at, if their classification category to look at is long portfolios that have been around for close to five years or more that have done quite well, they'll come across us. Brad, give us your final words, will you? My final words are maybe a little bit of a repeat of what we've said before is I started my company. I wanted to bring a very high level of knowledge and expertise to the retail public. Um, I do believe there's a, a sharp difference between information that is given to accredited investors, you know, who have five or 10 million or more versus the retail public. Retail public gets something that's actually quite lazy, and that's what we're referring to in terms of the indexers. Um, I had to fight against a lot of stereotypes, and the best way to fight against the stereotypes is not necessarily through talking, but actually providing proof. You know, our third portfolio that we run on C2 is the vegan growth portfolio, which uses a, a, a hard vegan criteria. And there we've shown that a person can get pretty darn good rates of return and still meet their ethical beliefs. The technique that the manager employs is far more important than the investment selection universe. I figured that the only way I could really prove it to people is to do it in real time, real life. So the portfolios that we run are a reflection of what we're actually doing in client accounts within a matter of minutes or hours or usually the same day. 
Brad, thank you very much. We appreciate you joining us here today, and uh, you're fighting a good fight, uh, looking to uh, do cruelty-free investing, uh, screening for environmental and vegan criteria, and seeking to have strong performance returns in your portfolios. Uh, Best of luck to you, and thank you again very much for joining us today. Thank you. Again, uh, we, we've been talking with Brad Pappas uh, near Estes Park, the gateway to the Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. And you've been listening to Collective Two's Top Trader Radio. I'm Charlie Wright. We'd uh, encourage you to access all of our interviews and go to collective2.com forward slash radio. That's collective, the number two.com forward slash radio. And for Collective Two's Top Trader Radio, this is Charlie Wright reminding you, to trade like you mean it. Collective Two's Top Trader Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial investment tax and legal professionals prior to any investing.